Good. Happy Easter. He is risen. Hallelujah. is risen indeed. I'm so excited about today. What an honor it is for us to be able to praise Jesus, our resurrected King, and the resurrection that we get when we follow him in faith. And so my prayer over each of you is that today we just be filled with blessing. Yes, this service, but your homes and, you know, the parties and the celebration that you're having. I just pray it's just full of thanksgiving to Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3 today. We'll be in Luke chapter 3. Uh, today I'm going to talk about conversations. And as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about how powerful conversations are. See, conversation precedes every life decision. Every life decision you make, uh, you have a conversation, whether it's with yourself or with other people, uh, when you come to your decision, you make it. I was thinking about this uh, in my, my family, and it's so true in my home. Uh, some of them seem to be kind of simple. Like, you know, on the weekend, you know, got the day off, and, and this question, okay, we have to decide, what do we want to do today? I mean, it takes us about three quarters of the day to figure out that, just so you know. So by the time we're done, I say, well, let's just stay home and watch a movie, right? Because that's all we got time for, because we've talked forever about this. <laughs> I kept thinking about that. I was like, man, that's not even the hardest decision we make on a, an average day. Every day, it's, what are we going to have for dinner? I mean, that goes, and we're hopefully McDonald's isn't closed by the time we come to the decision. There's so much conversation that comes into that decision. Oh, and it gets worse. When my girls were home, and, you know, I love to drive, so I'm typically the guy driving and going up to a drive-thru. You ever do that with your family? And you pull up there, and that, you know, wonderful 16-year-old says, can I take your order? And you, what do you want? Chaos. <laughs> Noise. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out this kid's yelling at me. I'm there yelling at me. It's like, ah, I don't know. Uh, but every decision we make is preceded with a conversation. Not all conversations are equal, though. Some of those conversations that lead to these decisions spin life on a dime. They change everything. It's interesting. <laughs> it seems, typically, it's these shorter conversations that are a culmination from long conversations, these short conversations that are the most potent, that bring the greatest change in our lives. Think about this, short conversation. We'd like to offer you the job. And you say, I accept. Right? You've been there? Life changes. How about this one? Will you marry me? Yes, life starts changing, right? I'm pregnant. Right. And that's an interesting, I was thinking about that. The answer is always usually this, really? Like I'm trying to think, you think they're lying? I think the shock is so big and you know the change is so drastic. It's like, good, yes. But everything 
changes, doesn't it? These conversations are powerful. Today, I want to talk about the most important conversation you can have. And that's the conversation between you and Jesus about your faith in Jesus. Because eternity and the life that God created for you to have hangs in the balance. It's the single most important conversation you can have. And so we're going to look into Scripture where there's this short conversation that leads to great change. So you look in Luke 23, starting in verse 39. I'm going to pray before we read this Scripture. Father God, we love you. We go to your word. We know it's powerful. And I pray that it would penetrate deep in our hearts and our lives this morning. And it would change us. That we would not be the same as we came here today because we've encountered you. So Holy Spirit, do your beautiful and powerful work in each of our lives today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Luke 23, we're going to start in verse 39. And what this is, is it's a conversation on Calvary. Calvary is where the Romans uh, in Jerusalem would crucify people in public. Well, this is where they crucified Jesus. And Jesus is there being crucified. He's on the cross. And there's a criminal on one side of him and a criminal on the other side. And they're going to have this conversation. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are, are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this conversation here on Calvary starts with this criminal who, who he's going to get caught up in the noise of the culture. And he's going to start a conversation with Jesus. Now the noise that he is kind of amongst the noise of the culture, you can see earlier in this chapter, starting in verse 32, um, and it's, it's the noise of the crucifixion that's taking place, the emotions surrounding this moment, and the ridiculing of the faith. See, crucifixion, you can only imagine. The noise, the, the, uh, 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 the, what they see, what they hear, it had to be horrible. And then the noise emotionally. There is so much anger. They are so angry at Jesus. And it says they are screaming so loud that they override and drowned out the voice of the faithful. And they're ridiculing the faith. The soldiers are at the foot of the cross as Jesus is there. And they're casting lots uh, splitting up his clothes so they can have a momentum. Like, look at we crucified him. 
mocking him. They say in that section, you are not a king. Save yourself. You don't have the power to save yourself. The rulers are just as bad and they're, they're mocking. You are not the savior. You are not the Christ, the chosen one. Save yourself. They're just screaming. That culture screaming. And it, it began earlier. They're saying, we do not believe in you. We do not believe in you. And this first criminal, verse 39, he gets caught up in all that cultural noise, catches him. And it says he railed at Jesus. He hurled insults at him. He abused him verbally. Are you not the Christ, he says? Save yourself and us. He's saying the same things that the culture's saying. He gets caught up in it. He's saying, I believe them. I don't believe you. And what he misses is the life that God has for him that's right in front of him. It's right there. You know, our culture is a culture full of noise. Full of noise. Christianity is the one faith in America that you can ridicule publicly. You can derail. It's okay to be intolerant to Christianity. You start railing another faith, you are intolerant. But it's open season for Christianity. Right? Our laws, our laws are filled with unbelief in Jesus. They don't value him anymore. Our media, filled with unbelief in Jesus. TV, online. Man, they are working double time trying to discredit Jesus. And man, many people are buying it, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, they've been trying for centuries. I can make a promise to you because really, really smart people have tried. Won't work. But I see the damages it's doing to our next generation. No faith in Jesus. Lifestyles, right? Just unbelief in Jesus. They're not trusting his way. They're not trusting his goodness and that he has good for them. And they say, we're going to go our own way. We got this. And for us, we get caught up in that. We get caught, just like this criminal got caught up in the cultural noise of his time, we get caught in the noise of our culture. And we miss the life that God has for us that's right in front of us. But there's good news, it's Easter, okay? Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> As I was getting ready for this message, I was like, man, that's kind of dark, it's Easter. It's just a, okay, so, so don't worry. There's, the conversation keeps going, right? Come on, verse 40, right? Look at that. There's another criminal on the other side, and he's taking all this in. He's part of this culture too. And he fights through that noise. He doesn't get caught. He fights through it. He, he goes to a deeper place. 
And he interrupts the conversation the first criminals have with Jesus. He says, don't you fear God? We're under the same condemnation he is. We're going to die, just so you know. That's what he's saying. We're going to die too here. In this moment, this sobering moment, at the end of life, don't you fear God? See, what he does is he's taking inventory. What do I believe to be true? I, uh, as a pastor, one of the good pleasures, and know how I mean this, I get is being around people as death is close. And I tell you what, if there's not a sobering time for somebody to take inventory, you know, there's a country song, Live Like You're Dying. I won't sing it to you. Um, <laughs> but but it's, the, the idea is true. Your best life uh, lies if you will process like you're dying. Well, he does this. He does this. He says, what do I believe to be true? What do I think of all of this? And he fights through that. He says, I believe in God. I believe in God. I trust him, not this culture. And so when he gets to this place and he claims, I believe in God, that's who I trust. He turns his eyes. In verse 41, you see, he turns his eyes and takes an honest look at himself. He's saying, we deserve this. What's going down right now, uh, the death sentence that we have, we deserve this because of what we've done. He says, I I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I have sinned. I have not lived by faith. And he understands what Romans 3.23 teaches us, that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. This holy God, this beautiful God, he says, I fall short of that. But I love this as he takes that honest look within himself. The second half of verse 41 you see. He says about this man. Because what he's going to do is he's starting to see Jesus more clearly. Right? As he looks at himself, he looks at Jesus right there and he says this. This man has done nothing. This man didn't sin. He's dying for another reason. He's dying for somebody else. And might I add this, I believe he's getting this, that he's dying for me. He understands God's truth, 2 Corinthians. That he, Jesus, who knew no sin, became our sin. He paid our ransom. Romans 5, 8. Yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he's sitting right in it right now, real time, seeing and feeling that. Saying, whew, whew. You're dying for me. I love this. And then it comes into this place. And I just want to read it. I want to set it in a slow. I will just quote it to you. But look at verse 42. What he does in this thing. Verse 
So what he does is he, he steps in. He, he professes his faith in Jesus to Jesus. Listen to his words. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he stepped in faith. Faith in Jesus' name. He calls him by name. It's personal, folks. That's my Savior right there. That's my Savior on that cross. He calls his name. He calls the only name that can save. There is no other name, Scripture tells us. The name of Jesus, right? That name can save. He professes that name. He professes his faith in that name. Jesus, and he says this, Jesus, remember me. Oh, what he's doing here is he, he's stepping in and professing his faith in his mercy and his grace. Because remember what he says, I'm a sinner, I deserve death. But I'm going to step into faith toward Jesus says, will you remember me? I deserve this, but I know what you can give. And I have faith in that. Remember me, he says. When you come into your kingdom, what he's saying is, Maha, I remember what they said. They said you would be killed. And then three days later, you would rise again. Yeah. Death has no claim on you, right? And he says this, I believe you will be resurrected. This is not the end for you, Jesus. Uh, so you will rise again. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He says, as I look all around me, I want your kingdom. You are a king. You're a king, Jesus. And your kingdom is not of this world. It's far greater, far above. And I do not trust this kingdom. I put my faith in your kingdom, Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And as he professed that faith and he stepped into it, <laughs> what did Jesus do? What did, listen, look at verse 43. What did Jesus do? He met him right there. He says, truly, anytime you see that word, you got to stop and say, truth is about to be spoken. This is absolute truth. Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Right? Yeah, yeah. So what he does, what he does, Jesus meets his faith with mercy, with grace, and with love. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And Jesus is telling him, you know, I'm going to give you a life that's far greater than what the Romans are going to try to take from you and will in a matter of hours or minutes. I will give you something far greater than this, right? And his grace is his unmerited favor. Not only are you not going to have to serve that punishment for eternity, but I'm going to give you, Ephesians 1 says, every spiritual blessing. Jesus says, I'm going to unload my blessings on you. That's what grace is. I'm going to pour it out on you. And he pours out his love. I mean, don't miss this point, right? Jesus says, today, you, he's talking to him personally, will be with me 
in paradise. It's not something distant. It is intimacy and relationship with Jesus. He is saying, I see you. I know you. I love you. I love you. Here's the thing about our fate conversation. Only you can have that conversation with Jesus. No one else can have it for you. Oh, your parents could want it so bad for you. Your aunt, your uncle, the neighbor lady that keeps bugging you about spiritual things, right? Uh, your kids. Nobody, nobody can have this conversation, this most important conversation, other than you and Jesus. That's it, right? And he loves you and he wants to have it. And then he meets him with the Easter promise. Oh, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Right? He says, you're going to live. You will live. You will not die. You will have, You will be raised in the likeness of me today. You will rise above all of this. You will rise again. You can be free. You can know that in confidence. And, and, and I love this, man. Don't miss this point. He says, you're going to rise when? Today. Yeah. When are we going to rise? Today. Today, right now. Because when you have faith, he'll meet you at faith. And then you will have the resurrected life that he promises you. Each one of us. Oh, and it starts right away. He gives us a new heart, he says. Our heart is resurrected so that we can love like Jesus, right? Oh, he says this. He gives us a new mind. A new mind. We can think like Jesus because he resurrects our mind and renews it. And I love this, Ephesians 1. Uh, he says, you're going to be given a new power. A new power. The same power that raised him from the dead, guess what? You've got to live like God. You don't have to do it on your own. You do not have to do it on your own. You bring this new power which leads to this. And I hope this is what we celebrate today. New life. New life eternally with him. That starts the instant you step in faith to Jesus. He gives you a new life, which brings hope. That's what Jesus brought to this conversation is hope. Powerful hope. I want you to think about how this hope would have changed these two criminals. See, hope changes everything. These criminals are going to die. We know that, right? Earthly death. But the one who had faith in Jesus, here's my belief, that his eyes were opened. And as he hung on that cross, Jesus right in front of him, he knew he's going to be resurrected. And so will I. And I believe versus sitting there in sorrow and, 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 and being sad and maybe even feeling his pain, I bet he prayed for everybody, screaming and yelling. I bet he thought about his family. I bet he cried out in a beautiful, victorious praise of Jesus. Because this cross, ha, it, it's, it has nothing on me. Eternity is before me, right? Uh, yeah. But think of the guy on the other side. What must have he felt like? 
uh, his hope is only an hour long. That's it. When it's over, it's over. But what we come here on this Easter Sunday, right, is to celebrate what Jesus has done on the cross for us and what he's done through the grave, right? He has had victory over death for us, and we get to be victorious because of him. And so today, we're going to end with a couple uh, songs, uh, and, and I put the message here for this reason. Because as we celebrate his resurrection today, I don't want you to just sing a song. I want you to have a conversation only you and Jesus can have. So I want you to stand up, and we're going to blow the roof off this place, celebrating the resurrected king. Uh, make it a conversation, okay? God bless you.